Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're talking about the life of faith, and I have to admit to you, this is probably my most oh, favorite subject that I teach. I feel a strong anointing in this area to teach the subject of faith, the life of faith. Um, we talked about Romans last week, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, and in those verses we have a revelation of three things we talked about. It reveals to us the power of God. The gospel is the power of God that saves, delivers, heals, preserves, and makes whole. It reveals to us the righteousness of God. In other words, to get right with God, we find it in the gospel. That's the only way we can get right with God. And also, it reveals to us that the just shall live by what? So in other words, once you've been declared righteous before God, how do we live? By faith. So if we live by faith, how important is faith? I'd say it's very important, wouldn't you? As a matter of fact, let's put it this way. The gospel is the power that saves, heals, preserves, delivers, sets free, and makes whole. Without faith, you know what that means? Everything that Jesus lived for, everything he suffered for, everything he died for, and obtained for us in the throne room, when he obtained eternal redemption for us, is not going to benefit us. Because Hebrews 4 and verse 2 says, without mixing faith with the gospel, it benefits no one. So can you imagine the table is set with all these wonderful blessings on it, it's all there for every child of God to enjoy. But if a person doesn't mix faith with it, guess what? It doesn't work. They don't benefit from it. They don't get it. It doesn't manifest in their lives. And just start with salvation. Salvation's on the table. If a person doesn't mix faith with the gospel of salvation, they don't get saved. And they'll be lost throughout eternity. That's not a good thing for anyone. Amen? So in other words, it's important that we understand that faith is essential if we're going to experience gospel blessings, okay? Look at Matthew uh, in chapter 9 as we continue our study. Look at verse 29. This is first from the King James Version. Then I'm going to look at the Message Bible. These two uh, that are blind came to Jesus. Now, what's, what do they want? Sight. If you were blind, put yourself in their position. Wouldn't you want your sight? And what he asked him this question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? To receive our sight. You believe I'm able to do this, Jesus says? They said, yes, Lord. He responds. Then touch he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Whoa. What a revelation. You mean it's according to my faith that it happens in my life? Yeah, according to your faith, be it unto you. But look at the message translation. When I saw this, it just it impressed me. He touched their eyes and said, Become what you believe. You like that? Become what you believe. Wow. Hmm. 
So it happened. They saw. Then Jesus became very stern. Don't let a soul know how this happened, but they were hardly out the door before they started blabbing it to everyone they met. That was obedience, wasn't it? <laughs> Don't let anyone know. <laughs> My goodness. Look, in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, we have a revelation of a teaching called the word of faith. Let's read the verses first. But what saith it? But what saith what? In the previous verses, the Apostle Paul explained, a man can't be declared righteous through the works of the law. That's impossible. You can't go about establishing your own righteousness because it's not the righteousness of God. Well, what does the righteousness of God say? He says right here. But what saith it? It says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Notice those two words, your mouth and your heart. The word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, notice again, mouth and heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now notice those two things again, heart and mouth, heart and mouth. Hmm. So if, if I'm going to experience righteousness, it comes from my heart and my mouth, not from my works. Not from me keeping the law. That's what he's telling these people. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. But what we've done as a church, as a whole, is this. We just limited salvation to being saved from sin. The word salvation there, once again, means saved, delivered, healed, preserved, made whole. So you could say it this way. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, deliverance, healing, preservation, wholeness. We don't want to limit the activity of God, the fullness of our redemptive rights, by just saying I'm saved. I've got to believe in my heart what the Bible says about deliverance and proclaim it or confess it. I've got to believe in my heart what the Bible says about healing. Believe it and confess it to receive healing. I've got to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth what the Bible says about preservation or being preserved and also being made whole. Okay, that's important. Now, where did Paul get this crazy teaching? Who in the world came down the pike and just said, hey, let me take you aside, Paul. Let me teach you a few things. I think it was Jesus. How do I know that? Because when Jesus taught faith in Mark chapter 11, when he cursed a fig tree and it died by the root and they were just all marveling at what took place. Guess what? Jesus said, have the faith of God, have, the, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. And he proceeded to say, for verily I say unto you. That whosoever, are you a whosoever this morning? Shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, what? That those things which he saith will come to pass, he will have whatever he saith. Three times he used the word say or saith. One time he used the word heart. 
And he's talking about from your heart, you've got to believe something and you've got to say it with your mouth. Faith, those two components right there, believes and speaks. Paul said the same thing in 2 Corinthians 4.13 where he says, I believe, therefore I have I spoken. So now we see we've got something here. I have three older children that are alive because of a message that is criticized highly, highly criticized in the Christian community. Wouldn't know what it is called? The word of faith. It's called the word of faith. Some call it, let's say, the gospel of health and wealth. I'd rather hear a gospel of poverty and sickness, wouldn't you? Come on. But that's what they've named it. It's called, mm, name it and claim it. It's called, blab it and grab it. That's what it's called by so many. Here's the thing to remember. There's a straight and narrow. And on the right, there's a ditch. On the left, there's a ditch. The devil's job is to push us into one ditch or the other. Calvinism, Arminianism, right? When it comes to the word of faith, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You've got the straight and narrow. In other words, it is a revelation from the word of God taught by Jesus that absolutely enables us to tap into and experience the fullness of our blessings in Christ. But on the right-hand side, we have this ditch called heresy. It's demonic. Don't believe in it. That's exactly what the devil wants people to believe. On the other side, what have you got? Fanaticism. You, you could say it this way, uh, presumption, foolishness, where they've taken it to such an extreme that it's absolutely been harmful and has, it's been hurtful to people. So if you're over here on this, in this ditch, heresy, man, don't want to talk about it. If you're on this ditch, You've done some wild things with it that really has brought offense and destruction to people's lives. Okay. Do those two ditches eliminate truth? There's a straight and narrow. My three children are alive because of this straight and narrow. If it were not for that teaching that I learned, they'd be dead. Well, let's put it this way. One would be dead and the other two wouldn't be alive. They would never have been born. I'll put it that way. So we have to understand that the enemy will do his job the best he possibly can to distract us, to get us off the right course. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That's demonic. That's crazy. Wildfire and fanaticism is foolishness. Does that stop you from walking down the straight and narrow? No, it shouldn't. Okay, so... It's important that we recognize and understand the fact that faith is essential for us to experience the fullness of the redemptive rights that we have in Christ that he gave his life for on Calvary and obtained for us when he took his blood to the high court of heaven. And if we don't understand how to operate in faith, then you know what? We're not going to be able to experience the fullness of our blessings. Now, when we get to a place of understanding it, see, some misunderstand it, some are mis misguided, but we can still get to a place where we understand it. But even though you understand it, guess what? It doesn't mean you're proficient in it. It doesn't mean that you fully operate in it. You know why? I'll tell you why. The heart 
and the mouth need to be in sync. That's why. You see, we can say something. If it was magical like some people think, it would be dangerous to all of us. It would be like putting a loaded gun in a three-year-old's hand. Say, have fun. We don't do that, do we? No, because we know better, don't we? So when you've got people spewing out just these things, I heard that you've got to believe in your heart, say with your mouth. So I'm going to start saying this. I never have to work ever, ever, ever again in my life. God's going to supply all my needs. Sit down. It doesn't work that way. Come on, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't what? Absolutely. So where did you come up with that? Well, if I believe in my heart and say with my mouth, mm, you see that little Volkswagen out there? I call you a Cadillac. Come on, Caddy, let's go for a ride. Come on, jump in my Cadillac. Oh, you think I'm kidding? Mm-mm, I'm not kidding. When I was at school, that's exactly how people fought. They didn't learn what I learned about the faith walk. Then they got upset. How about this one? They live in a, well, I lived in a, like an apartment complex, and some of them did the same thing. And they kept saying, my rent's paid. My rent's paid. My rent's paid. And then the school started getting letters from all these apartment complexes and all that and said, your students don't pay their bills. Oh, they, but they say it's paid. Oh, they say it's paid. How many of you know that if you're the proprietor and you, you operate that, they don't want to hear your faith, they want to see your green. How many of you know that? They want the money. But these guys are out there just saying, oh, my bill's paid, my bill's paid, this is paid. That's, that's foolishness and presumption that's ridiculous. That is not the truth. And the worst is this. When someone says, oh, my son, my daughter, they need insulin, but they're healed, they're healed, so take them off of it, and they die. You see what the devil uses to get people off the right, straight, and narrow path? Things like this. And so people are afraid of it, they walk away from it, they absolutely want nothing to do with it for those reasons. Well, let me give you some illustrations. And anybody here have a three-year-old? Anybody? Did you have a three-year-old at one time? Three-year-old here, three-year-old there, three-year-old back there? Okay. When my oldest daughter, she's not watching, I don't think, she'll be 50 in November. She'll be 50 in November. But when she was three, she was actually like a couple months before four, so she's still three. I, I just got saved, and I was teaching a Bible study in my dad's basement. And I was teaching these wonderful truths about faith and healing and deliverance and all that. And I took it to heart. I was young and naive in the Lord. Young and, I guess, naive. I just took Jesus for his word. I just said, that's what the Bible says. I believe it. So I'm teaching this Bible study. They had a Cape Cod house. And I'm in the basement. You ever seen an Italian basement that looks like your living room? That's my dad's basement. And then above that is the main floor that nobody sits in, does anything. It's meticulous. Okay. And then my dad in the attic, the Cape Cod has the attic area. He put a bedroom up there and he built a... Uh, like a wall around the 
steps so that you wouldn't fall under and all that. And he just fixed it up beautifully. So I'm down there teaching this Bible study. And if I were to look straight up, it'd be exactly where you take the steps to go up to, this, uh, to the attic. When all of a sudden, in the middle of my message, I hear a thud that is so loud that it's heart sickening. My gut on the inside of me knows that was my daughter. I don't know how I knew it. I just knew it. I got about 10 people around or 12 people around the table there. I throw my Bible down and I make a beeline up to the uh, steps to go up to the attic, open up the door. And there's my daughter lying there, blood pouring out of her eye, screaming at the top of her lungs. Now, mind you, that was my first child. And it's daddy's girl, too. And my heart is sick. If she got a fever, she was at the doctor's. If she coughed too much, she was at the doctor's. She's lying there. I, bear with me. Back then, I didn't have a whole lot of education with medical science and all that. I should have never moved her, probably. But I wasn't even thinking along that line. I put my arms under her. She's bleeding. She's screaming. I try to stand her. She collapses. I pick her back up in my arms. It's real close to walk over to where the living room is. I lie her on the rug. The team or the group comes around me. And we lay hands on her. She's lying on the floor. I'm laying hands on her. I am praying in tongues. See, we live in a generation right now. Is that really necessary? Do we really need that? It's not for today. You tongue talkers or holy rollers and all that. You know what? You can call me all you want. You can say all you want to say. Listen to the rest of my testimony. My hands are on that little limp body. And I'm praying in the Holy Ghost as fast as I can. And my head is down like this here. And I'm praying 100 mile an hour in tongues with all the group around her little body. And they're all praying the same way. At some point, I don't know how long I was into it. I have no clue. All of a sudden, my head goes up as if someone just lifted me up. And I go, now she's healed. And then I said something that startled them all. Let's go finish the Bible study. They just looked at me and said, what? Let's go finish the Bible study. She's healed. Now she's healed. So I go back downstairs. They all follow me. I think they're all nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. They're just as nervous as can be. I'm finishing the Bible study. Her mother's got her, in her on her lap and she's wiping the blood off her face. I don't even think to call for an ambulance. I'm not even thinking along that line at all. A paramedic or whoever. I finish the Bible study. Take her home. She still can't walk. Lay her on her bed. I go to bed. Of course, the devil pays a visit. Your daughter's going to die in there. You realize that? I said, you're too late. She's healed. By the stripes of Jesus, she's healed. I'm going to sleep. I don't suggest anyone do this. 
No one. You don't just copy somebody else. This is my testimony. It's how it happened with me. I don't suggest you do it at all unless you know what I knew on the inside of me. You understand that? Call the ambulance. Call whatever you need. And since that time, we've done a lot of things like that. But this is that moment. I'm being taught how to operate in this thing called the word of faith. So in the morning, I'm awakened by this almost four-year-old little girl running into the bedroom, looking into the full-length mirror and saying, Thank you, Jesus, you healed me. Amen. Now, here's another dilemma. When, I, when she turns around and looks at me, one side of her face looks like Lisa. The other side of her face, I don't know who this is. It's all black and blue, discolored, you know? Wow. But she's standing there in a the mirror saying, thank you, Jesus, you healed me. I don't know if she was ever taught the word of faith. But she's certainly not looking at circumstances. Number one, I see the beginning of the process because she's walking, which she couldn't walk before. But now she's looking at that mirror saying, thank you, Jesus, you healed me. For three mornings in a row, she did the same thing. By that time, this here had like an infection, okay, and it was just bulging out. On the third morning, which was a Wednesday morning, she does the same thing, jumps into the bed with me, and this falls off her face onto the sheets. And I look at her. It's all brand new skin, perfectly healed. And by the following Saturday, which would have been one week, if you ever had that kind of an accident, if you ever hit between the eyes and you have two black eyes, it takes a long time. Anybody here in the medical field agree with me? It takes a long time. This girl's face was so disfigured. I have pictures of it. It's unbelievable. Okay. It was, re it was gone. Perfect skin. And by that Saturday, I took her back to the Bible study. They looked at her and said, this can't be the same girl that fell. I said, yeah, that's her. She was completely healed. Completely healed. Now, if you're in a medical field, and you fall 10 feet straight down on wooden steps... And you've got all this blood apparently in here and all that going on. I have no clue what could have happened. She could have had a brain bleed. She could have had all kinds of things. Blood just pouring out from her side of her eye here. So that was one incident that took place. And I may be believing, I may be believing this. I know a word of, I mean, I know the gift of faith went in operation because I probably wasn't developed in my life at that point to say that I can just believe God that way. So a gift of faith went into operation, and that faith took me beyond my faith, and I continued operating in that realm of faith until it was consummated, which took less a week. Within a week, she was completely whole. And I knew it was all God that did that. But then it also makes me think this. What if I would have reacted a different way, and what if she couldn't have been helped any other way? You see, it was a sense of urgency at that particular point. She needed divine intervention, I believe. Okay, so that was the first incident with her. The second incident with her, and I need to say this, you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth what you believe and it will come to pass. And the principle that I learned along this same uh, teaching is this. This has got to be a constant daily declaration of our faith because we're living in a fallen world and all around us is doubt and unbelief. You realize that. It's easy to be full of doubt and unbelief. Your faith level does not remain constant every day. 
You could retain knowledge, but you don't retain faith just because you know something. You don't retain faith. So I learned this every day. I'm born again, spirit-filled, faith-walking, tongue-talking, armor-bearing, love-practicing, living epistle, living Christ, notoriety of all men. In my pathways, life, there's no death. I'm a doer of the word, blessing my deeds. Although I set my hand to do, it prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Notice in my pathways, life, and there is no death. In my pathways, life, and there is no death. In my pathway, see, this could be boring to some people, but trust me, when it saves your child's life, it's not boring at all. In my pathways, life, there's no death. 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 And I say it every single day, still say it every single day. So one day we're off to Elwood City where we're going to have a, I'm going to attend a wedding uh, ceremony and reception at someone's house in Elwood City. The car I had was a two-door car, not a four-door. She's in the back seat. This time she's about eight years old, somewhere around there. Don't remember exactly. Exactly her age. So I pull off to the side of the road. There was no parking at the house anymore because everybody was taking up all the spaces and all that. So I parked on the right-hand side of the road. The house was on that side of the road. And I just pulled over to the side. There was a place where you could just park your car there. I get out of my car. I pull up the back seat. She's in the back. And like eight-year-olds probably would do. She happens to see her friend... I believe it was Dina Fiok at that time. Your cousin. And she's across the street. So here I am leaning over, put the like that. She jumps out from the back seat and takes off. Out of my peripheral vision, I see a truck, a pickup truck, traveling at least 50, 55 miles an hour. There's no time for reaction. My head is turned this way. I don't even see her body anymore. I just do this. I somehow caught her wrist, went like that, and she hit that side of the car pretty hard. Zoom. The truck goes by. And guess what happens in my spirit? In your pathway is life and there is no death. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. But once again, you got to give them something to work with. And what do we give them to work with? The Word. What if I had not been saying that every day? In my pathway is life and there's no death. And then he echoes it back to me saying, in your pathway is life and there is no death. My daughter would have been dead. That was her second escape. And then, you know, my two boys. I'll get to that if we get time a little bit later. If not, we'll do it next time. They would have been born if it were not for the word of faith. That's as simple as it gets. They would not have been born. Their mother couldn't have more children until I met Jesus and got the truth of God's word. And like I said, if I got time, we'll get to it. But look at number one. The reason why faith is so important to me, those reasons right there are enough for it to be important to me. And people want to know why I focus on that. I emphasize that. I'll be honest with you. I get quite disturbed when I hear people say, oh, you're one of those blab it, grab it individuals. You're one of those name it, claim it, whatever. This word of faith, and they criticize it so, so much, it's because they don't understand it. They don't have a revelation of it. And they're not walking on the straight and narrow. I'm not saying I'm 100% per, uh, proficient. Who is? Jesus is the only one I know. Okay? But to me... 
to have my three older children alive and I've got two granddaughters as a result of it? It's important. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Why is this so important? Because without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. To please God. You want to please God? Think about this. I please Him how? By doing this, doing this, doing that. And all. No, no. If you don't do it in faith, it doesn't please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So you could say it this way. Without good works, it's impossible to please God, right? It's not a trick question. Did it say that up there? No. Without going to church, it's impossible to please God. Mm -mm. No. Without what? Faith. Faith. It is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God, number one, must believe that He exists or that He is. You see, God exists. We cannot put God under a microscope. We cannot fit God into a test tube. If you're looking for God, like so many of these intellectuals are looking for God under a microscope and a test tube, you won't find Him. It takes faith to believe that God exists. And I happen to believe that God exists. He's very much alive, praise God, and seated on the throne. I don't need to see him to know that or believe that. I know it so. I know it right down here on the inside that God is. He exists. And he rewards those who do what? Diligently seek him. Why does it take diligence? Because he's not operating in the sense realm. You can't find him in the sense realm. You'll never know him in the sense realm. We only see him and know him in the spiritual realm. See, man is a tripart being. Spirit, soul, and body. With the spirit, he knows God. With the soul, he understands God. With the body, the physical part of man, you know, he'll have to be changed in order to be in the presence of God. So what we have on the inside of us in our spirit to get it to the outside of us takes a renewed mind. And if we don't renew our mind to what the word of God says, then we're not operating in faith and truth. I need to know what the word of God says, not what someone else thinks. And so I need to know that God exists and I'm going I'm to find him. And the only way I'm going to find him is diligently seek for him right here in the pages of this Bible, the Word of God, because here I have a revelation of who he is, how he deals with mankind, what he's provided for us, what he does for us. And you know what? I have got to develop my faith to a level to where I can re- experience and receive all that he has provided for me. And remember, five physical senses, one faith sense. We a- operate in life through these five physical senses. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling. The five physical senses help us navigate the natural world. One sense is called the sixth sense. The sense of faith enables us to go beyond the natural world and touch the spiritual realm. So that what we have inside gets to the outside through a renewed mind as we operate in God's Word. Now, God wants us to seek Him. He wants us to believe Him. And He wants us to obey Him. And the only way we can do that is by finding out what he says in the word of God and then saying, you know what, my circumstances tell me something otherwise, but you know what, I'm going to cast them aside, Lord, and believe your word. Number two, and there are many reasons why faith is so important. Without faith, you can't be saved is the second one right here. You can't be saved without faith. It's impossible. Look at John three thirty six. Here, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. He that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. 
Salvation does not come by doing, it comes by believing. I've got to believe on the Son. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith, not of works. See, the works he's talking about is the works of the law. The works of the law can't save us, and good works can't save us either, but mainly the works of the law can't save us. We can do all kinds of good works, follow the law, but you know you can't be saved by it. By grace are you saved through faith. I've got to believe not in myself, I've got to believe in Him, the one who gave His life for me, the one who died for me. So I've got to find out what the Word says about all these different areas of my life. For example, for salvation, yes, that's the only way I can be saved, by grace through faith. But healing comes the same way. If I'm not diligent enough to get into the Word of God, if all I want is someone to pray for me and do the job for me, you know what? I'm going to fall short. But if I show God I'm diligent, I'm going to seek you, I'm going to know who you are. You're my healer, I want to receive you as my healer, I'm going to walk in your healing powers. I've got to get into this book and find out what it says about, by His stripes I was healed. And that the Spirit of God who lives in me quickens my mortal body and gives it life and health. Or I need to know that He'll, he'll do what? Heal my broken heart, bind up my ever wound if it's emotional as well. And Jeremiah 30, 17, I will restore health unto thee and he'll leave all thy wounds. Uh, Psalm 103, that tells us he forgives our sins, heals our diseases, and so on. You know, we can just name all those verses of Scripture. If I'm not interested in getting into what the Bible says, what the Word says about these things, then guess what? I'm not diligently seeking him. And my faith level is not going to rise. To get my heart to line up with my mouth is not easy. To get your heart to line up with your mouth is not easy. See, like I said, if, we, if it's like people think it's just magical, just believe it and say it. Well, you know what? That'd be like I said, be like giving a child a, a loaded gun, which would be ridiculous. If it was that magical, like people think, can you imagine what would happen to the person who says, that just tickles me to death? Yeah. <laughs> Boom. They fall right over dead right there. These kids are driving me crazy. Next thing you know, they're in the fourth floor in the hospital. Anybody ever guilty of saying these kids are driving me crazy? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm madder than a hornet. And then you turn into a hornet. Reincarnation. I don't know. But what the devil has done has distracted people to get him in the ditch here, get him in the ditch there, because he doesn't want them walking down the straight and narrow and saying, I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. You see, without faith, you can't overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Faith. You can't resist the devil because we resist him in our faith. And the list goes on and on, which if we have time, we'll get to some of these other things in the weeks to come. But anyhow, look at um, the next thing. In faith is required for answers to prayer. Look at James chapter 1. Is it important to you to know where you're going to spend your eternal living? Anybody here... Uh, a taker as far as a ticket to Hades? Anybody want to spend their eternity in Hades? I know I don't. Well, there's only one way out. By grace through faith. That's the only way. So salvation comes that way. But look at this one. Anybody want your prayers to be answered? But let him ask in faith. He's talking about if you want something from God, whether it's wisdom or anything. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Why? He that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's driven with the wind and tossed. He's going back and forth, vacillating between the two. He's not going to receive anything. 
So it's easy for us to be distracted. It's easy for us to go to and fro. Just like Peter walking on the water, it's very easy for him to finally get his eyes off of Jesus and the word come and start, and then start sinking. So it's not automatic just because you know what it says at all. We need to know that we're going to be challenged when we step out of the boat to the waters of faith and start walking on the word. He's going to come and distract us. And our prayers won't be answered. Notice he doesn't say God doesn't give it. It says that we don't receive what God has given. Why? Because we start vacillating. We start getting caught up in the circumstances, in the symptoms, and all that sort of thing. So, as a result, we don't make it back to the boat. We don't consummate the miracle. Now, look in uh, something here that, that Jesus taught. In Matthew's, Mark, actually in Mark's gospel, Matthew, see, this is the half-brother of Jesus, is James, right? We know that, right? And so, what did, where did uh, James learn this principle about believing prayer? I believe Jesus, Jesus taught him. Look at Mark's, Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, vacillate, Doubt, worry, be anxious, have a fit, a conniption. Hmm. Believe that you receive them. And it's a strong word, receive. It means take. Believe you take it and you shall have them. Oh, okay. Mark eleven twenty four. Let's add something in, in Matthew when Jesus taught it in Matthew 21, 22. Look at, look at what he says here. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So now we have Jesus telling us, you've got to believe something before you can receive it. And that doesn't line up with our, let's say, logic and understanding. You know how many people have aborted their faith walk because of this? I believe I received it. Well... Let me add something else. In Matthew's Gospel 17 and verse 20, this is what Jesus said. If you tell this mountain, remove hence to the honor place, it would remove, right? Now listen, you believe in your heart, you say with your mouth. You believe you receive your miracle, that mountain will remove. Nothing will be impossible to you. Do you realize that God's not concerned if we read 45 chapters a week? As much as he is, us getting on our faces before him and just saying, man, the heart of man is wicked in every way. I need to train my heart to believe your word. It's not automatic. I know with the stripes I am healed, but you know what? The revelation of that, I don't know it's deep enough. I know I'm supposed to believe in my heart and say with my mouth, you know what, Lord? I Help me. Change me. I want to believe in my heart that what I say with my mouth will come to pass. Because why? Nothing will be impossible to me. So I need to take that to heart, don't I? And not just say, oh, I heard that and it doesn't work and all that. Well, if you hear that and it doesn't work, it's because you're not walking on the straight and narrow and staying there. Let me give you another example. Psalm 128, four verses. After, I shared with you, I think, a little bit recently that my older children's mother couldn't have children after my first one. Had a horrible case of endometriosis. Surgical procedures were done. As a matter of fact, to be honest, you know, take it down just for a second. Let me just share this for a moment. I thought she died. I'm at, um, I think it was Northside Hospital in Youngstown. 
And uh, they told me, this is not a big deal. Uh, it'll take 45 minutes, whatever, to an hour. I don't know what it was. It won't take long. I'm in a waiting room. Hour goes by, another hour goes by, another hour goes by. Might have been three or four hours had gone by. Back then, it wasn't like it is today. We got a lot more liberty, I think, to keep in contact with what's going on. I'm by myself in this waiting room, and how many hours went by, I don't know, but I'm getting concerned at this time. And this one person comes out. I don't know if it was a social worker or a nurse or whatever she was, but she walked over to me and she said, what was your wife's name? I said, what? What was your wife's name? I said, what happened? Did she die? Oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. Well, was didn't sound good. Not what is your wife's name. What was your wife's name? And I'm like, lady. She apologized and all that. I said, I have no idea what's going on here. They told me like about an hour or whatever, and it's been four hours. Well, finally after, it might have been five or six, I don't remember how long, the, the doctor comes out and just says, this was the worst case that I've ever, ever seen. It was so extensive. She, if you have a child, thank God you have a child because you're really not going to have another child. I said, well, she's alive. That's, that's all that counts. Yeah, that's the case. She's alive. See, that was before. That was before I got saved. Now, my, my Lisa at this time is, she was born in 73, so this is 77 when I got saved. 76 I got saved, I'm sorry. And I'm learning these principles. And so, hmm, four years go by. I get saved, I learn these principles, so it's like, what, 73 to maybe 77, say four years go by. And so now I'm working in the mill crane up in the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company with my brother Jose Feliciano, and I've got papers in for adoption, because you see, I wanted to have more, but even though I was so untaught in the things of God, I didn't really know what the will of God was, I didn't know how to determine the will of God, and so I just said, you know what, he asked me, you going to have any more children? I said, well, we can't. I explained the endometriosis, explained this uh, the extensive procedure that took place and all the whatever they did inside her, blah, blah, blah. You know, I said, but I thank God that I have one. He heard that. And I was telling other people the same thing because I, I said, it mustn't be the will of God for me to have any more. The, the human mind is sometimes hard to understand because I kept saying, God doesn't want us to have any more. God doesn't want us to have any more. But I have adoption papers in. Does that make sense? So here I am saying something like, God doesn't want to have any more children, but I, have adoption. I had the adoption papers ready to sign that they would find us another child. And so as he calmly does, he was, he was seasoned. He was in Bible school and all that. I, did, I just got saved, just learned a little bit. He says, brother, read Psalm 128. And then he got the whistle blew. He had to go get his crane and take it down and make a lift. I'm sitting in my, standing in my crane. I said, okay, thank you. Put, put up Psalm 128 now. Here I am, proud as a peacock, right? Blessed is the man that, that is everyone that fears the Lord. I said, oh, glory to God, that's me. That walks in his ways, glory to God, that's me. 
You're going to eat the labor of your hands and happy will you be. Oh, that's me. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. This is a nice psalm. It shall be well with thee. Oh, that's me. Hallelujah. Your wife will be as a fruitful vine by the sides of your house. Your children, like all the plants round about your table, behold, th thus shall the man be blessed that fears the Lord. I just stand and I'm going, that's not me. I drop to my knees. You can't teach this to somebody. You can't tell someone, you do what I did. I, when, that hit, when I read that, I had such a respect and reverence for the Word of God. I fell to my knees. I lifted up my hands and said, Lord, forgive me for lying about you. I've told people everywhere it's not your will for me to have more children. But I just read your Word, and your Word says, my wife will be a fruitful vine. I'll have children around my table like olive plants. I was wrong Forgive me. I was on the night shift. Went home. Seven o'clock in the morning. Wake her up. Look at what this says right here. She looked at it. Do you believe that? It's in the Bible. I believe it. Well, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I curse this condition of your body, whatever, whatever it is. I call you a joyful mother of children. You're healed and we can have more children. For five years, nothing happened before that. Well, guess what? Two weeks later, from that prayer, she's pregnant. With, Lisa, with my oldest boy, William, BJ, he lives in California. He was born in Tulsa at St. John's Hospital. And when I went in with the doctors and said to the doctors, Doctors, what about that condition, endometriosis, that she was so bad? He looked at me and said, what? You know, the he said, there's nothing wrong with her. Everything is fine inside her body. She's completely whole. Oh, so it doesn't exist anymore. No, nothing there. It was kind of war like, what are you talking about? Thought I was crazy. He didn't know. So... People criticize the word of faith. But I'm telling you, if it were not for the word of faith, my Lisa would not have been alive, would not be alive. Remember, 50, November 2nd. Don't tell her I told you. Okay. BJ was born in 1979 before I came here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. and came in 1979. 1981, Jason came along, and I'm breaking out into a sweat. The third one, Lord, I got it started. How do you stop it? Is there a verse, a chapter that I can use to say, stop, I'm done, it's enough. Well, guess what? It came to be true that thus shall be the man, blessed shall be the man that walks this way. Because now I've got Carly, Dante, and Andrew. My Quiver is full. My table is full. And Andrew also would not be alive if it were not for the word of faith. So all these that want to say this is a bunch of, you know, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Once again, you're, you misunderstand the teaching. You don't understand it clearly. Whatever, you're not developing yourself in it. 
you're over here, you're a fanatic and you're using it incorrectly, but there's a straight and narrow. And when Jesus said, you see that mountain, you speak to it. And it'll, it'll obey you. He also said, you speak to a tree, it will obey you as well. Amen? Okay, does that mean you're proficient in it? Absolutely not. Does that mean you're highly developed in it? Absolutely not. I thank God for those incidents in my life that took place because they'll never talk me out of it. They'll never, ever, ever tell me it's a bunch of heresy. And you know what? This church filled up down there in Midland. You know why? I began preaching and teaching this truth that many had no knowledge of, no understanding of, but they got tired of what they were experiencing in their lives and they wanted reality with God. And so they came and they heard these blessed truths. And you know what? If you believe it, line upon line, precept upon precept, and act in, the, in light of it, and walk in it, you'll be blessed forever. Let's all stand together before the Lord.